of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 315. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have Marty Leeds, who is back in the contiguous uh, United States, having left Hawaii. Uh, we're going to get into why he had quite a thing going on there. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. I'm about burned out, man. We've been pumping out content like it's uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool here today, man. It's starting to be quite hot. We are still, I am still waiting for the big farms around here to get past plowing and plant. That's how late things are this year. It seems that the seasons are pushed off a little bit. I wonder if there's a, a motive there. Well, I, could, I was talking to our friend in, uh, you know, we were past mid-April and he phones me up from Michigan, says it's snowing. Sure enough, two days later, it was snowing here late April. But anyhow, let's get Marty in. Welcome, Marty. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on once again. So hell's bells and seashells, man. You had a whole off-grid paradise built up. You were um, in Hawaii, uh, fruit trees, animals. You had all kinds of stuff, and you had to bail that. And that is a you know that was originally why we reached back out to you to come on, uh, so we could hear. We'd heard from others that Hawaii was getting pummeled, but let's hear it straight from a witness. Um, why'd you leave? Uh, I have four words: communism. So there's that. Basically, the um, as we came to find the the Hawaiian government is probably one of the most corrupt places I've ever been. So there's so much going on there with the history of that place and what's happened with the natives and the government that's in place right there. I mean, we all know that the government is corrupt, but it seems to be this extra little <laughs> extra little brand of corrupt over in the Hawaii Islands there. And we saw what was coming, and so we're like, well. We're, we're splitting. I mean, the one reason that we moved, one of the main reasons that we moved there in the first place was that so that we could, you know, my wife's uh, family's in Germany, mine is in Wisconsin, so that we could, you know, kind of be in a place where we could fly either, either place, you know, so we could see family more, live off grid, live cheap, you know, be frugal, that sort of thing, see family more. But of course, um, that didn't happen with the whole COVID. So yeah, and things got bad there very, very quick. And we realized, um, that the government and even the local state, even the, the representatives locally there, they had no intention of actually representing the people at all. No intention whatsoever. Well, I got to, I got to say what the minute you started speaking, it reminds me of the old birther nonsense, right? We, they have to be corrupt to have been the epicenter of, Oh, this president called Obama was born here. Oh, no, he's not. You know, that that's just a made for TV narrative, isn't it? But it proves that the places that are being, spotlit are in on the uh the ruse yeah exactly exactly as far as i could tell that everything that i had studied because i got when i when i we moved there i got thrust immediately into the politics and the history of the place because when we got there the the freaking volcano erupted so all of a sudden we were and we got we got hip to this place called puna geothermal which had been there and this was this um joint israeli canadian company i guess that went there and you know, basically get thrust right into the politics, the history of the place. And so that, you know, one of the things you'll discover there that as far as everybody's got lots and lots of people are concerned, what it says in the UN, that is still a, the Hawaiian kingdom in the sense, or the kingdom of Hawaii. I'm not exactly sure what the, the verbiage is, but it, it's an overthrown country. So, and that's recognized actually, like, you know, once again, in the UN and things like that, that that's exactly what it is. 
So once we got there, we realized, okay, where are we? Are we in the United States? Are we in an overthrown country? Is this an, you know? And then there's also the idea that within a hundred miles of the United States border, they have this thing, which is just a bureaucratic nonsense, of course, but it's called the, um, what is it? The constitution. Constitution free zone, zone, right? Exactly. (laughs) So according to that, the entire, you know, Hawaii islands are in a quote unquote, according to some bureaucratic ink blotted nonsense, the constitution free zone. So where are you? In other words, so that got, that got real, very real quick. Let's just say that. Well, I think that just reasoning out what you're laying down and I have not looked into this, not extensively, there was a King there and that King got toppled uh, by the British. And so maybe there's your difference, you know, bureaucratically and the nonsense that they like to write down on paper and then fake like it's some legitimate thing that they're doing. Um, but even to this day, uh, when you go to certain parts of Hawaii, there's all kinds of strange things that have to do with the last king. Yeah. And there's a guy that I followed when I was there. Um, Dr. Keanu Sai is his name, S-A-I, if anybody wants to look it up. I mean, I think he, there's even a documentary. Uh, about about his work and how he's absolutely proven that yeah this was in this was a kingdom it was overthrown by the United States government it was given this once again like corporate title of the kingdom of Hawaii or whatever you know it was just all a bunch of paperwork nonsense and then meanwhile while that happened what did they do well that's what what every gov- you know government does they just dumb down the populace to the point that they don't remember it or they don't understand you know legalese they don't understand the corporate fiction they don't understand this and that. And that's essentially what's happened. Lots of wonderful, beautiful, like totally loving, caring people in Hawaii that are, I hate to say this, but are uneducated to a point that they don't understand such simple things like, yeah, this is a, this is overthrown. This is a corporate control, that sort of thing. So it's crazy to even consider, you know, there, what I've noticed is some of the places in the world where there's the most free spirit are the places that have got the worst of the COVID nonsense. Um, when this first broke out, I was hearing from people, they said, Oh, COVID's here. You can't go to the beach. <laughs> and by the way, everywhere you go, you got to have, you know, and, and the lockdown seemed like it was many times as harsh as what we experienced here in the contiguous States. Yeah. I mean, the, the lockdown measures were insane and they're, they're still going. In fact, one of the beaches that is there, it's called Kahena beach. And it's actually essentially being overtaken by the DNR right now. It's insane. I've got a friend over there. Her name is Hope Johnson. I hope to speak to her very soon. But she's actually going and giving notices of violations directly to the police officers. They are going to get the names. But this this beach called Kahana Beach, and it isn't as far as we as far as I understand, it isn't. A, it's just a beach, man. It's not really controlled by the state or the county or anything like that. And so people go there, and people have been going there for literally generations at this point and just hanging out, you know, whatever. It's a nude beach, just as there are many nude beaches in Hawaii, that sort of thing. And now because of COVID, they literally had, I think, six officers at this public beach just going around writing tickets just because of COVID. And they even said that. they didn't. And, and then once he asked, like, well, who is your authority to be here? Of course, they hum and drum that. They're like, oh, well, it's the state of Hawaii, blah, blah, blah. You know, so just going and basically making criminals out of everyday average people, you know, and this is just one instance of the thing that's happening there. And that's where that's everything from like people, not social distancing to whatever, you know? So it's amazing. They're issuing tickets. I'm guessing at the same time, the courts closed. So there was no due process on top of that. Right. Not only that, right. Which is insane. The fact that government's going to keep going, but close the courts. 
that alone shows you your government is corrupt everywhere. But beyond that, they were trying to make a mask law and they did this twice over. So the mask law came up and they re everyone rejected it. We gave testimony, the whole bit. And then not a month later, it came back up, except with even more measures, even more extreme measures. And so what they were trying to do is people recognize, of course, because people are waking up to the, the corporate fiction thing. People are waking up to jurisdiction. People are waking up to all this, right? So what people were doing was like, no, I want a jury trial. And of course, everything's thrown out as soon as that happens. So once one person does that and two people do that and three people do that, of course, see that thing gets around in Telegram and everywhere. And people realize, oh, what's going on here? Oh, this is government corruption, knee plus ultra, A plus 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 it is. You know, because all we have to do to get this thrown out is to get to a jury of our peers. So what did they do? What did the government do in response to that? Try to make it a ticket so you can't just an everyday ticket. So you can't, you know, ask for a jury trial. Yeah, if that was me, I wouldn't sign it. I yeah. wouldn't do any of it. I, I would just refuse. But are, are you aware of people who other than the method you just mentioned, or are there other people who challenged it and walked away scot-free? Absolutely. Well, not scot-free thus far, but as far as we know, yes. Um, Lavana Loma, who I just had on with Sheriff Richard Mack. I don't know if you guys know Sheriff Richard Mack. He's the um, CSPOA is the, is the organization. He basically goes around and retrains peace officers because that's what they're supposed to be, peace officers. <laughs> he goes around to train sheriffs and peace officers of what they're supposed to be doing, and that's to uphold our rights. Of course, most police officers have no idea about that. But so I had him on and Lavana Loma. Lavana Loma um, refused to sign the the order. I, wait, are we free people? Or are we following orders from a king? The order from Governor Ige over there to quarantine, to self-quarantine. She said no. Of course, she had a problem at the airport. and There was a little skerfuffle or whatever. And then, of course, well, she just said, no, I'm not signing anything. What did they do? They, dra they drug her out, let her go. She was fine. Then they try to come to arrest her. Right. Then they arrest her. She gets bailed out. Right. Then they come to arrest her for the same offense again. Whoa. Double jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. And then and except both of them, as far as we know, come directly from the district attorney. I you know, <laughs> when when you see when you as you're speaking, you know, these we have two ways we can go when it's come to this. Either this house of cards they're building is going to come crashing down in an almost astonishing way, or we're going to be slaved out for a period of time. Uh, there's no in-between here, is there, Marty? I mean, you, these are the most basic tenets of people who are my age. We knew these things when we were in junior high, high school, um, the idea of double jeopardy, all the, all the kind of civics things that no longer get taught. Yeah. I don't know what where it's heading, because I don't think this fight is over. You know, as many as much as we hear about you know, people like to also on the on the web, all sorts. They 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 look at what's happening and they're like, "Oh, this is the apocalypse, the end. This bird, Jesus is coming back, whatever it is, the kind of thing." And I don't think the fight's over. I think as many as many times as evil has gotten a hold and made it hell for people on Earth, there's been as many revolutions and renaissances. You know, and of course, because we know, as 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 you guys know, and as everybody that's listening to this knows, we cannot trust the two thousand years of recorded history. So, if there have been great renaissances and revivals and and that sort of thing, rev great revolutions, well, of course, the evil people once they get in charge, they're just going to squash all of that history. So, because I don't practice divination, I don't project into the future what's going to happen. I just try to live in the present and, and and try to stand in truth and try to let that truth grow. You know, that's the only thing I can. 
Well, I, I'm with you. You know, a guest is a guest is a guest, no matter how compelling you try to make it. But there are some things that we know are different. Um, as a matter of fact, the age that we're either in or going into is supposed to be the female energy for the first time. I've been reading a lot about the Christian mystics, and I was starting to mention this when we came on the air. Most people have the idea that you eat food and food makes bone, blood, body. The Christian mystics will tell you that's poppycock and it's been known and that every chemist worth of salt knows that it's actually the air that combines with the things that are in the food, which is basically 12 cell salts for the most part um, that build out. And when you begin to go down these avenues and you understand what it means to leave a water age, to leave every age that has always been male dominated with the promise of female energy, which could be looked at as motherly love. Why do you think ISIS and Columbia is all over the place? As a matter of fact, you'll love this. Um, Columbine always bugged me, not because I didn't know it was fake. It's fake. Um, but the, the, the way that they coded it. And just the other day I was sitting there and we bought a Columbine flower to put in our garden. And as I was reading the tag, it dawned on me. You just take the N and the E at the end. Those are going to sum to one. So that is an A. It becomes Columbia. There's your encode for Columbine. Again, bringing in the female energy. It's back around to Columbia. And there are endless. People get lost because they don't understand that female en energy or any energy of nature has a thousand names, a million names, as many names as you want to give it. And the way we've been brought up, well, Columbia is Columbia. No, Columbia is <clears throat> really not Columbia. What Columbia is, is the, the current moniker that you're bandying about for an energy that's recognized as female. And in my way of thinking, the reason this came so quickly and so hard and heavy is because exactly what I just outlined. There, This is a new round. This is a chance for people to lift up beyond what we've known. Um, air ideas are ideas that would say things like we don't need cell phones here in a little bit we're just going to think mind to mind air ideas go the gamut but when you understand that supposedly and i accept it for the moment but i got to look into it that bone blood and body are built because of what we call atmosphere now relate that to the air age we're going into and i know it's a little bit far afield so maybe i'll get jason in here to pull us back around can I say one thing? I think um, James Joyce would have said it like this. In the name of Anna, the Almaziful, the ever-living, the bringer of plurabilities, hallowed be her eve, her sing-time sung, her real be run, unhemmed as it is and even. The Mama Festa memorializing as the Most Highest has gone by many names in disjointed times. Yeah, it's, it's, there it is, man. I don't know where you get the extra memory chip because my memory's about full. I got to throw out the first shows I did just to do this show. <laughs> no, that's a joke. But no, there it is. That's perfect. Um, you know, if you're talking about ISIS, yeah, you're talking about Colombia. And so why did they take the time to make ISIS into a terror organization? For the same reason they do all good things and all ben beneficent things. ISIS is now a bad idea in everyone's mind and you're blowing it. That's female energy. That's what it is. Do you love your mother? <laughs> do you think it might be important that women can create new life? That's part of what's wrapped up in the archetype of an ISIS or a Columbia or some of them are a little perverted. I'll give you that. Um, like what's come of Colombia because of the United States. But nonetheless, um, with this is going to be a different time and the abilities of human beings are going to be vast. And there is the rock bottom reason they need a needle in every arm uh, because they can't have this lift. If this lift comes along, 
can be too many unruly individuals and unruly individuals cannot be ruled. You know, that's, that's the way I see it. You sound like you're vaccine hesitant. Is that what you're telling me, Crow? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might say abstinent. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, what's so funny is that I had, I, I, this is just, I guess, what, what we're talking about, but I had a dream the other night that I was, that I had taken the shot. And it was like, and it was an like absolute nightmare, of course, you know, because and I'm like, this is how think about like this in the in the subconscious or the psychological aspect of what they're doing. You know, they're literally getting just into your mind in every way that they can, no matter if you take this or if you don't take this. Think about this. This is all we've been talking about. This is all we're focused on. You know, this is how their spells work. You know, when you talk about. um yeah, the Mama Festum memorializing in the most highest, that that female energy in that sort of sense. In that, as we know, you know, there's pater and there's major. There's father, and, you know, that's the idea of father in heaven, which is comes from the word pater, pattern, pattern. And then you have the material. This is the recognizing of spirit and matter, heaven and earth. You know, the, the dualities that always have to be unified in order for something great to come about. In this sense, when you look at the fact that we've rejected a motherly material aspect of our existence in one sense it's because yeah we've rejected our own felt presence of the immediate experience you know we we we're looking to something else as opposed to the here and now the great eternal now that's happening that happens in the material it's talking about something eternal it's talking about something immortal but that happens here you know and you need both the mother and father to create the the, the child in that sort of sense so i i hope that moving forward that people recognize where they are and that's really sandwiched between the heaven and the earth the father and the mother the spirit and the matter in that sort of sense and it's only the unification of those two that brings about a full holistic being you know and that this is why i'm always telling people there's no lie in nature if you learn something there because of all the people i could speak to about numbers you're the guy so if you have a man and a woman you have a one and a two or you've basically got a two um, in my researching of what nature shows, I have come to accept that there are only two numbers that can really vastly be misused, and that's two and five. They need to be pulled from the Deccan, which basically means in a normal, natural world, things happen in sequence. There's a one, then there's a two, then there's a three, and you go up to nine. That's the idea of a Deccan, um, which is actually representing 10. Um, but that two is, is a husband and a wife. Now. The divinity of the number three comes in when those two couple and the new life comes. There's your, there's your actual literal example of one reason why three is divine. And another reason three is divine, it can't make nothing till you get to three. Think, pull out a piece of paper and put a dot. There's your one or even a line, however you want to do it. Now build something. Well, you got to make another line. There's your two, but you have built nothing. As soon as you draw three, you have built something, a triangle. Um, you've made a shape, a form. And these are nature's way of proving to you that the idea of the divinity encapsulated in three, encapsulated in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, encapsulated in so many different places, Isis, Horus, you know, it goes on and on and on. But it's real. And this is how you can know. I mean, what do you think? This is, to me, these are the principles of what, at least in the Christian canon, would be logos, right? It's the same sort of thing you guys talk about with the sky clock. What, when you look at the sky clock, what are you looking at in this sense? Truth incarnate, 
right in front of your face. Why is it truth? Why is it truth in that sense? Because it's eternal. Everybody that stands on the cold, hard ground with their two feet will experience the number one, two, three, four, five, et cetera. All of those numbers will be universal to every single person. Now, everybody has that access to that. You know what else they have access to? Well, you just got to look up. That's all you got to do. And every single person has, even when I was out in the middle of the ocean in Hawaii, I still could see Draco wrapping around a pole star. Those things are eternal. They're for everybody, just like God, you know? And so when you see, and the Trinity, of course, as you're explaining geometrically, it's irrefutable. That's why you find the Trinity, because there's something that's beyond the, the variances and differentiations and things like that of cultures and time and when what language they were speaking or what religion that they believed in. There's something that's transcendent about that. That is not only right, it's put right in front of you in the decad. The decan is just, you were saying, in your hands and your feet. But then once again, where is this, this logos eternal? Well, well, dummy, just look up. You know, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the evil, the noble and the ignoble. Everyone experiences the sun. Everyone experiences the moon. Those are what you said when nature doesn't lie. That's nature not lying. Right. You know, that's God telling you his natural laws that you will abide by. Everybody will. Well, what's the cliche? No man can change what's written in the stars. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's another example. But this is why, you know, I may, I may have to do a show on Christian mystics and put out some writings to do because the way people get tied up in numbers because the numbers that we get are mostly through media, which means you're looking at the dark side of the forest. We live in duality. You can take any good thing and you can make it a piece of crap. Um, You can't, you just can, or you can imply it in a negative fashion, even if there is nothing negative about it. And that's what news and corporation and things like that do. But in the way the mystics laid out the number system, one through nine or the deck into 10 um, is that one is God, that, that, upright thing it's also the male idea when you get to two that's the female in their point of view and here on this plane men have positive polarity and women negative polarity but guess what one level up into the spiritual plane women have positive polarity Um, but when you understand how they're breaking out the numbers then when you start getting to 11 12 22 30 something um, you already knew the base idea in the number and you begin to pick up on the system and what they're doing is they're telling you the positive connotation and they'll often add in the negative connotation as an example of this uh, and wayne mccroy talked about this last night the number four the most stable of numbers also the angles of sorrow if you want to draw it geometrically or have a cube or something like that which is actually six but four um in the media is almost always death but you see the christian mystics value it as that's the cornerstone of this building the most stable thing we can have you can have a stool with three legs it works but it is not as stable as a four-legged stool and it goes on and on in the way that I'm describing. And these, are, to me, are proofs of nature. It's like someone arguing about the color of the sky. You Forget it. I'm not going to argue with you about that because it's self-evident to me. And when you pick up on the numbering, one through nine, if you want 10, um, which will just roll to one again, by the way. But in the Christian mystics idea, 10 will always be the idea of perfection. But what do you think about all that? Yeah, you know, the 
the when you were mentioning before about like two and five, particularly when you look at and then the idea that these these things can be used in a negative context and often are, especially by these, you know, the elite that should not be that kind of thing. Right. Yep. So when you look at the number five, for instance, the penta the pentagram has forever in the minds of so many people been this evil thing. It's been shown to be evil. Even the devil will have the, you know, a pentagram and things like that on him and things like that. And it's like, okay, well, the pentagram, once again, we talk about universal ideas, the pentagram encodes without question the, the, the ratio of phi, which is a ratio of growth of, of a pattern all throughout nature. It's an inanimate and animate objects. And this specific ratio of growth is encoded within the pentagram. That pentagram, the, the, the length of the middle, if you look at like just a star, the length of the middle line as opposed to the arm of the star will be the middle line will be 0.618 and the size proportionally of the star arm will be one. Well, that's, that's general, that's actually found on your arm and that's the cubit. That's what's known as generally as the cubit. So that your elbow to the tip of your finger gives you this, the same proportion, which is on the pentagram, the same ratio of growth, of course, because you can't have 1.61 eggs, right? You can't have 3.141 chickens. But, you know, you have, so therefore those things actually reference growth, proportionality. So all of that's encoded in a, the number five. And then what's on the end of your arm, by the way, well, it's five appendages of your hand kind of thing. So you have all of this genuine, verifiable, demonstrable, verifiable mathematics beauty, because that's really what it is. Everything grows into this proportion. And what does Hollywood do with it? They, they always show it as like sacrificing children, burning, burning stars, do, you know, that sort of thing, always in this sort of demonic fashion. Well, why? So that you don't actually pierce through that and actually see the beauty of it, you know? Hence why you see, so, one more thing quick, just to, to make the point, hence why you see so many organized churches deny astrology. Because they don't want you to know what that stuff is. That's all devil worship and heritism, you know, paganism and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, no, that's God's clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as they stand up in front wearing the color black, um, it's a bit ironic. And I'll called that, yeah, called ministers. You mean mini stars, cardinal? <laughs> what isn't that car cardinal fixed mutable? What's going on here? Yeah, it goes <laughs> it goes on and on. But you know, this is, what you just pointed out is exactly it. And if you take something like the Baphomet or the inverted five pointed star, um, this is the idea. So what I like to express to people who are going to think about this is no number is evil. No number on the face of it is evil. Now, a couple of them have real potential to be evil, but they have to be pulled out of the Deccan. In other words, the natural cycle of things, and they have to have human intention piled on them. Mm -hmm. And five is a good example. Why is the Pentagon the Pentagon? Well, there's the example right there. What does the Pentagon do? Are they out there helping women and children all over the world? Or are they engaged in war and lies and all this other stuff that is unhelpful? Um, we know what they are, but two is a prime example. When you pull two from the Deccan, that is also 11. 11 is two. Uh, 11, according to Crowley, was the evilest of numbers. And the reason that the Christian mystics understand that idea, but will not put it as the most important part of the idea, is because 10 is perfection and 11 is moving away from perfection. But it's also moving towards perfection. Because when it gets 11, 12, 13, 14, all the way up to 19, that next step is back to perfection doubled in the way they do it, or the power of perfection doubled would be 20. But the idea of two has been used in our time un, under the guise of 11. 
Um, and this, again, is pulled from the Deccan, and a good example of that is 9-11. No, sorry, folks, it's 9-10-11. There is the in-your-face ripping a number from the Deccan um, so that it can have its evil intentions piled all over it. We always have said for the entirety of counting, 9, 10, 11. And suddenly in 2001, a new way of counting came, 9, 11. Um, just ripped. No perfection there. 10 has been ripped out of there. Um, we jump over perfection to get to this evil intention that's been completely parted from the natural cycles of the Deccan. You made me think when you were talking about the, the 9-11 there with like uh, the Pentagon, right? You know, they, they slammed a, a, an airliner into that or a missile or whatever the heck it was, right? Think about this. They burned a pentagram on that day. <laughs> it's what they did. They did. They literally burned a pentagram <laughs> on that day. Any, anyone who thinks down, Think about this, dude. They took down two towers and then they burned a pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While, while the uh, while the model 2001 was uh, sitting there in the guise of a hotel, uh, the the overlord or whatever it was called in the original story. But when you go back to the idea of the burning of the pentagram, anyone who thinks we're talking smack here, go look up the groundbreaking day, the completion day. Go look up all the things about the pen Pentagon. It's crazy too. I think um, it was uh, Scott Onstott that pointed this out, but that when they, you know, the towers, when they cleaned up all the debris and they shipped it somewhere else so that we couldn't figure out what actually happened, would they actually put up in its place like two squares and they look like the head of, or the head of a, a pair of dice. And as far as I know, double check this, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's one. It's just like a square with a dot in the center of it. And there's two of them where the tower stood. And that is in, in the pair of dice, like the actual pair of dice, pair of dice, that's snake eyes. It's called snake eyes. Yeah. So, which is two, which is 11. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it never, it never ends because most people don't have the beguilement in them to even have to be forced to think in this way. And it, it's a catch 22 because unfortunately in the era we've come to, you kind of need to know something about your enemy. Um, because all the systems that got put up while everyone was sleeping, uh, they're all around us now. And to break down walls, you need to know where the key brick to kick is. Um, you know, you want to bring down that arch, you go for the keystone. Uh, and you've got to know something about all this nonsense. But, you know, but to be honest with you, Marty, I've come around to, if, at first it used to irk me that I had to take my time to learn their evil bullshit basically. Um, but the truth of it is they're just showing you the dark side of the coin. So anything that you learn, the positive connotation that nature would, would show you uh, is easily reinstated once you know. It's like the eternal balance of nature. There's, it's like almost, you know, we're seeing e evil forces come out. Like I, you know, I made the metaphor. It's like all of a sudden for a long time, the, the serpent was just in this sense, poetically, is just slithering behind the scenes and all of a sudden pop, it just, you know, with this, it just popped its head out. And do you know how many people I know are actually brought to the creator, God, spirit because of that? You know, it's like, it plays its role. It, it definitely is. And it's going to play its role in its time. You know how many people in this sense are logos is rising. How many people have actually turned to like, no, there is an order that we, I, I am in a jurisdiction that has been given to me by my authority. And that is my author. And that is the creator. That's, that's happening for sure. And I think that's, once again, the eternal balance of this creation doing what it does. 
Well, sooner or later, people, you know, this is the problem with belief. Well, I went to school and they told me we were this slimy thing. And eventually we turned in some other sea thing. And eventually we crawled onto shore and built legs and they believe in that. And that belief blocks them from examining. I mean, who was it? Was it Watson and Crick? It was someone like that. It was one of these genetic guys that said for the, the genetic code to have been written is utterly impossible by chance. That would be akin to a hurricane going through a junkyard and fabricating a working jet on the other side. Um, he says it's just, it's not possible. And when you begin to think and challenge, how did the human body of all things come to be? Is it possible that I just kind of gradually by chance came to be? And you begin to realize if you spend enough time breaking down the things of nature, None of this is possible the way that it's been explained. And not only is it not possible, you kind of got to be a little cockeyed in the mind to accept some of the explanations we've been given. You know, it's, it makes me think with the, the whole evolution thing too, and I've been saying this recently, it's like, okay, so they, they tell us that there's this invisible bug thingy, right? And that right now it's, it's morphing and mutating. Well, okay, well, that means that I have to believe in evolution, right? Right. So therefore, I don't believe in that. You just gave me all the firepower to turn all of that conversation around and say, I don't believe in any of that. I think that's horse apples. But in order to continue to believe this, I have to believe that. Well, I've already refuted that. And everyone, I would say that everybody that's listening to this probably has. So why do we have to listen to your nonsense? We're not going to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some, of, some of the writings I was referring to, they've started to come around to every cell has an intelligence, a consciousness. And they came to that by saying, how does it, they choose this individual cells have been shown to choose the nourishment they want. There will be a few things on offer, but they go to the one that's correct. How does that happen? Um, and so they're, they're going at these things. Uh, but what I was going to point out something about the, uh, the mystic idea of, uh, oh, of evolution. They lay down a no nonsense idea of how the human body functions, which allows a mind to then build on it, to realize how ridiculous things like dinosaurs, things like evolution, things like you were once a monkey. Ideas like this are just patently ridiculous. Um, once you begin to understand probably truly how the body is operating on some level. And what I've come away with is I kind of feel like I won't ever get sick again. I've only been sick of what I might call the flu a very few times in my life. Matter of fact, one year when I moved here, I got what I would call the flu twice in the same month. Um, but I kind of have realized you don't, people don't pass things to you. Um, as a matter of fact, I realized that if I started feeling bad, I could probably go out and sun gaze and balance the vibration of everything right back and be okay within the same day that I started to feel bad. But this is all about knowing. And the modern systems are all about not giving you time to know. Um, you got to pay your taxes. You got to get up. You got to go to work. You got to get children off to school. By the way, you need to renew your driver's license. By the way, did you get your taxes? You know, it just goes on and on and on. There's so little time in the way that it's been shaped up that we're forced to live our days that very few of us have time to think about these things that matter above all other things. You know, I think we were talking before um, the show, I, I believe that, you know, we're just mentioning that the the people that are falling for all of this stuff, they and, and this is what I've seen anyway, for the most part, do not have an active spiritual center in the in the sense that what they call a lot of conspiracy theorists, a lot of conspiracy theorists are actually seeking, once again, if we use Christian language, they're seeking truth, 
which for them is Jesus, right? That sort of thing. We're all seeking truth, which at the end of truth, no matter what we believe, there is, as you're saying, clearly, clearly a creator, you know, and that, and the people that are falling for this, I don't think they know that, or if they believe that it's not like an active belief in their thought. They don't do like a daily meditation on that sort of stuff as so many people do. And that's the kind of people that are falling for this, the spiritually inept in a, in a sense. So, but once again, because of this, how many people that, as I said, are being drawn to it as well, you know? So there's an interesting thing. I think I read it about three nights ago. Here's, here's one for you. Um, I'm still working this out. The, the claim is that men are three-dimensional and women are four-dimensional. And the human body tells you because a man has the optic thalamus or the third eye. Then you go down to the solar plexus. Then you go down to the sexual regenerative organs. Um, they try to describe them as equidistant in some way, but I haven't gotten that far. So the idea is each one of those is like related to a plane of existence. Therefore, a man is 3D. Now, a woman has all the things a man has, but she has one more thing, which is the breasts, which are nourishment for the new life. And that corresponds to a dimension which makes women four-dimensional, which means if truly we are going into Aquarius and truly it's true that we're into air ideas and that feminine ideas will rule this age, um, think about that addition to where we've been. In other words, we've never been in an era that's anything but three-dimensionally bound uh, because of the rulership of the male energy. I'm putting together, speaking of this, like four dimension, it just made me think of this. I'm putting together a live stream called the beauty of childbirth or something like that. And when you think about a woman's role in this whole story of mankind, right? So we, we all know that we have this ethereal body. We have an eternal, what you call the divine spark, the scintilla, whatever we want to call it, right? We have this notion that there's something within us that animates and, and enlivens us. And that thing is eternal. It's immortal, right? And then we have these bodies and one of the bodies is called Jason. One is called Crow. One of them is Marty. And those are all going to, those are fleeting and passing. They're all going to die away. We're going to be dust in the fricking wind. We're going to be food for the worms. But the thing that's in us is immortal, right? It's eternal. And I think our whole point in coming here is to recognize that. But when you think about the role of a woman, so a woman has her, her physical body and then she's got that ethereal body. And then she gets pregnant. And then what does she carry? Another physical body that within that physical body that she's nurturing in her womb is attached another link to that ethereal, spiritual, eternal world. Men don't get to do that. No, <laughs> we don't. Not, not, yeah, not only do they not get to do it up to this point. See, but one of the claims from the mystics is that every era that's been ruled by men so far had to be ruled by men because they needed that alpha kind of violent energy to survive because things were going to be brutal during the early ages. Um, but it goes on to, in my view, correctly point out the role of women through that time has basically been sacrifice. And I don't really think that's arguable, but if everything's going in the way that I currently accept it's going, that's, that's about to change. Women are going to take the wheel for a while here. So we've been actually going around uh, lately. We've been to a bunch of them, like these little Amish communities all over Wisconsin, right? And these, these people have essentially been living like they've been living for a long time. And the men have their role and the women have their role. And you can clearly see there's no battle going on. There's no like one trying to overcome the other. There's just this harmonious recognition that like, hey, you know, you have to do your thing. I have to do my thing. 
save for any Amish discussion, that's exactly what happened to my wife and I when we started essentially farming and, and raising you know chickens and all that sort of stuff. I, I just knew what it is I had to do because I was a man, because I could lift more than she could, because I could handle 25 you know, wheelbarrow fulls of, of gravel, I could do that and she could do one. I knew I had to do that while she had to go and take care of the chickens. There was these natural things that once again, natural order that we, we essentially fall into. And I think the people that are controlling things, I trust trying to think that they're keeping us away from these natural things that we do. So, yeah. yeah. And so I, there, I, when you, once again, we get back to this idea that it's not dual it's, there's a transcendent third. I think that transcendent third is the harmony. You know what I mean? I think it's the cooperation. I think it's the unity of the two that actually makes it something so much more grand. And that takes a man and a woman. This gets right back to the idea. Well, duh, because that's how a child is born and the child is to the creator. That is, you know, you know who outlined this in a way that just hit me upside the head. Remember, Jason, when we had Manya on to teach us about Australian Aboriginal customs, she reached a point we were asking, does the occurrence of gay human beings happen in, in, in the Aboriginal community? And she confirmed that it did because I had brought up that supposedly in the American Indians, it didn't matter if a guy was born that wanted to hang out with the women, then he just did it. There was no issue. And what she said is, once you translate it out of the native tongue into English, then it would be there's women's business and men's business. And women tend to women's business and men tend to men's business, which is exactly what you just said. Um, it's a division made by nature, not by us. And it's common sense. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And this is, you know, once again, you can get like heady, heady mystical about this in the sense that this is the man and the woman flowing with the way, the Tao, you know, we can talk about, and that's true in, in many, many sense. But at the same time, then we can just get right down to brass taxes and what Jason says, it's just common sense. But I think, I think the ultimate truths are commonsensical. I, you know, I said this for the longest time. I think the, the grand truths, um, the ultimate sophistication is simplicity. I think as Da Vinci said it, but the, the grand truths will ultimately have their roots in simplicity, elegance, you know, beauty, that sort of thing. We need a new word, common sensible. <laughs> but you want to jump in on this or have we flown the coop here out into la la land, Jason? No, I think we're doing all right. How about this concept of the ages, Marty? How do you feel about that? That's something Crow and I have been speaking with, with uh, quite a few people lately. Look, I mean, you peek into that, the literature, right? As you're the mystics, they all talk about it. That there's there's world ages, cycles, the time, as as we know, is not this linear thing, especially as recorded by men. It's a cyclical thing. Well, we know this because all, once again, we have to do is look up and have some common sense. Well, what does the sun do? Goes into a cycle. What does the moon do? Cycling. What does the stars do? Cycling. You know, there's always this notion that things go from alpha to the omega, from the start to the beat, you know, the end and just circle back around. And so clearly uh, everywhere in the world, they t- I mean, I studied it intensely, intensely um, with John Major Jenkins' work, where he was really a guy that syncretically put together the entire Mayan cosmology, and their entire cosmology was based on the idea that there's world ages, cycles, you know, and then they kept a unbelievable, unbelievable calendar. You know, the Mayan calendar, the, the structure of it is, is just a, a piece of epic artwork, is, in my opinion. So I, I totally feel this way. I feel and I felt this way long before even COVID. I actually talked about it openly, the idea that it's like we're going through some sort of shift right now. 
I can't tell you exactly what it is or what's going on or what's going to happen, of course, but to me, and I think it's the, I think the, the proof is in the pudding, let's just say that, that we are going through that shift. And this is what they talked about. You go anywhere, Hindu, Mayan, Egyptian, you hear about it. So it makes sense to me, you know? Well, think, think about this natural example. So in the life cycle of any mammal or, or something that lives similar with warm blood or cold blood, uh, you have a baby. Is a baby always a baby? Nope. Baby becomes a teen, teen becomes young adult, young adult becomes an adult. Um, this is a cycle. But consider this that nature shows us. So there is a group of those curly horned sheep somewhere in Texas. And for thousands upon thousands of generations, the males have fought it out to see who gets to reproduce. Because who gets reproduced keeps the cycle going. But the point I'm making is that the strongest almost probably 90 some percent of the time gets to reproduce. That also shows you another form of cyclical evolution because that would imply that the strength of sheep back in the day is nowhere near what the strength of the sheep is now after thousands of generation of the strongest sheep coming to the, the winner's circle and then replicating with the females. So these examples are built right into nature and those are not arguable. Um, the, the, the hard part is connecting you know, a life cycle like that out to time. But for my part, Marty, uh, the Kali Yuga is one of the most hidden things, maybe the hardest to understand because part of the problem is, is that the, the spans of time covered are beyond what we can, you know, reasonably think about. But this has been going on ever since there's been human beings, as far as I can tell, and the Kali Yugas prove it. Because how could there be a record from so many millennia ago millennia of millennia and it's the, the notion too makes a ton of sense when you think about like just the the yearly cycle right of the sun that we you know all go through seasons it's cold it's hot it's you know oh then there's the equinox right and then basically the notion is yeah the the bigger grander cycles whatever those may be some you know some say procession of the equinox whatever they are i don't know i didn't live twenty six thousand years so i have no idea but the idea that we are going through something like that on a grander cosmic scale. And so right now this could be a summer or a winter, if you will, you know, as you were saying that we're moving into uh, an, an air, you know, that sort of thing with, you know, age of Aquarius, that sort of thing. Uh, look, I mean, once again, I, I don't have exact 100% astrological proof to tell you this to be true, but everything I've ever learned says that that's what's going on and it makes sense. So, you know, and then once again, just look at what's happening right now. You know, this was not happening in, in 1960. What's going on right now? You know, well, this also plays into ideas like global warming, because if you can convince everybody everything's linear, then it's easier to get people to buy into nonsense. Like if the mean temperature goes up one and a half degrees, we're all going to die. If you get back to the ideas of cycle, you realize that we're just in some portion of a cycle. This is true of forest fires. Forest fires are complete destruction. We got to do everything we can to stop them. No, actually, forest fires have been going on since the beginning of time. It's a regenerative process and the explosion of life on the tail of these things to include things like some of the biggest trees in the world can't set seed until the fire has gone through. These are the warping of our minds from a linear progression. We, we always go point A to point B, not understanding that you're just somewhere in a cycle all the time. And for that matter, if you do begin to take on cycles, then you begin to realize, well, they're claiming there's an ice age. Well, that's a hell of a lot more than one degree, right? For everything to freeze. So why should I be worried about their claimed one degree right now? 
you know, the, the glaciers is the big one right now. If you think about cyclical existence, the removal of glaciers bothers you exactly zero. You're just in a cycle somewhere. In other words, all the water that's been here is still here. There could be a glacier maybe a thousand years from now. Maybe there won't be. I guess it depends where we are in a cycle. Dude, what you're saying is so spot on because when you release yourself from their supposed linear history and yep. which the spell lifts because you can't be fooled by global warming. Everything is going to get cold and everyone's going to die. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. Is there, are we going through some sort of shift and it might get cold Yeah, or it might get hot? Sure. Absolutely. You know, but as you were saying, yeah, it was like prevent forest fires. Are you kidding me? No, that's how the forest actually regenerates. Any, anybody that does any sort of forestry knows that to be true. You know, that's why long before there were laser weapons and energy directed weapons or whatever the heck's going on out there, even long before that, guess what happened? Lightning would strike and fires would burn because that's what, that's what nature does, you know? And what happens? Does all the, the forest is gone forever or it regenerates, right? So it's, it's, it's amazing. You, you allow, once again, I think what you're saying is so spot on. When you release yourself from this linear nonsense history, the spell breaks. That's right. How can it be that we're even, it, it, when you, you become ashamed of yourself when you get to a point that you were so naive as to accepted that the sky clock didn't matter. After all, you know, it, it's, it's spring right now. And you know what I know? It's going to be hot pretty soon. You know what I know? It's going to be fall pretty soon after that. Then winter, we're going to do this again. So there's your cycle. What's causing it? Well, they'll tell you. Even in their lying way, they'll tell you the sun's doing it. There's your sky clock. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to get misguided on a way that will keep you permanently misguiding yourself. And the linear ideas, nothing in nature is a linear idea that I can see. The overarching everything are cyclical ideas. Even generation is a cyclical idea. Once again, it's a, it's a logical fallacy, or when you look at the word logic, especially in the Christian mystic canon here, look at the word logic, that means logos. So that's, that's Christ. So it's a fallacy of logic to appeal to the authority of people who have told you what has happened over time. It's an appeal to your actual authority when you look up who's authoring what's right above your head. That's your authority. Because guess what? That's incorruptible. No man can change the patterns of Orion. Good luck, right? So that's, you know, it's the appeal to the ultimate authority, which is just the outflowing expressions of the laws of God, which is nature. Well, they, they also go at that to, to try to get the thinking people off. Well, they'll tell you things like, well, the, the North Star was a different star. It was Vega a gazillion years ago. Well, first of all, for you to make that claim, show me the records. By the way, in the same breath, you're saying the Kali Yugas are nonsense because you're saying the same thing. Who could have kept records for that long? Um, but all these little things, procession of the equinoxes, oh, the world's spinning like a top, something knocked it so it wobbles. Um, all these ideas combine to give you a discombobulated way of perceiving the world, which is based in belief and nonsense, which if I'm not mistaken, early, I, someone just recently emailed me uh, a couple scriptures out of the New Testament that speak exactly to this, believing in false things and the result of that. So when you see a system of bad, presumably men and women who have a dark bent, who have been building for probably at least a few centuries at this point, hard to know, um, on this idea that we can insert these unhelpful ways of coercing belief of living men and women until they're basically a herd of sheep, which is about where we arrived at 2021. 
you might have expected it in 2001, but that's where the, the pen started getting built, I guess. It's like uh, there's a line in the Bible. I think it's the Revelation. It says something to the, fa- the effect of, and what man can add one cubit onto his stature? What in the world do you think that you're going to add? No, no, no. You just learn from the thing itself. And then, you know, because that's what that's going to be your teacher. The, the, in that sort of sense, the world is your classroom, you know? That's right. When we get back to letting the natural things that are outside the purview of the control of men and women teach us things, uh, we'll be well on our way. But that is part of the promise of the age of air. If you, what, what got me is I couldn't, I got to a point where this is all unusable. How can any of this be usable? And then I kept coming back because I didn't want to give it up. And I started forcing it back into shape from the zodiacal divisions to everything. And I began to realize that the philosophical principles are a good example. So you can have the point of view that the world is made up of four elements, but they're not really a thing. It's an idea. It's a philosophy. Air is a philosophy. You can't put it in a container kind of for permanent description. This is permanently describing this thing. But you can go over to the table of elements where they're going to tell you, oh, this is hydrogen right here. This is an element and we can describe it. Here's what it looks like in our little chemical formula. And there is the perversion because nature does not work that way. Nature works much more closely with the idea of philosophical principles. In other words, a hundred people could come along with a philosophical principle and, and use it and make it malleable and usable in a different way, which will adapt to them or they will adapt to it, which then adapts to the natural world. When you come upon the periodic table, it's nope. Here's the formulas we use for hydrogen. Here's the weight, the, all these things that are written in stone. And it's all a lie. You can prove anyone can prove this. This blows my mind how chemists are still accepting that those things are elemental in some way. They're all combinations. You can divide every damn one of them. There's nothing elemental about any, well, that's not true. There are a few, but those are the ones that cross over to the philosophical principles. But I think we're getting close here, Jason. Uh, We are. So Marty, let's uh, have your contact info and anything you want to throw out there for hour one. Um, yeah, maybe in hour two, we can talk about time clock and what's happening in Revelation. That would be interesting. But um, I am working to let everybody know if this is the free hour, I am working on and hopefully going to go to print very soon. It's called the Unanimous Redeclaration of We the People. I'm including an affidavit of status and then the printing of the original Constitution of the United States all in one little booklet, almost as and I'm kind of making it almost as like a, a new passport, if you will. So there's actually an affidavit of status in there saying that you're a free being, you're not a fictional being. You can put your like contact information, your picture in there, as well as the unanimous redeclaration of we, the people, what, that, what I wrote, which is basically based off the spirit of the redec, but it's a, it's a unanimous redeclaration for everyone in the world to basically say that we are no longer living in the fictions. We're living in God's jurisdiction, essentially. So um, that's coming out soon. And I'm also, it's also free. I'm, it's, I'm putting it in the public domain. So no rights reserved. You can take it. You can do whatever the heck you want with it. So there's that. You certainly don't have to give me any money for it. That's coming out soon. And then yeah, everything else is at MartyLeads33.com. Marty Leads live on YouTube and that sort of thing. All right. Perfect. That's a heck of a thing. I look forward to seeing that, Marty. All right. That's hour one of episode 315 with Jason Lingren and Marty Leads. We're going to come back in hour two and I'm with Marty. I'll talk some revelation. I think we should do that. So I guess I'll just take it right here and say, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy and higher minded new era. And we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. 
is the enemy of knowing.